Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Thursday the 11th of April. Coming up, fresh hope for Ailsham girl who has severe epilepsy. I was really overwhelmed yesterday. I didn't expect to get prescription straight away. So yeah, I was really, really pleased. Son of Ashford pastor accused of genocide speaks out. He is innocent until proven guilty. That is the fundamental principle of law. And in football, we find out what happened when Maidstone boss Jay Saunders lost his job. A bit of a weird one. I went straight into Maidstone Town Centre and bought a beer really, and sat down. It was it was a bit strange. Kent Online News. We start today with an update on a Kent mum's ongoing battle to get cannabis treatment for her nine-year-old daughter who has severe epilepsy. Tegan Appleby from Aylsham can have up to 300 seizures a day. She responded well to cannabis medication at the end of last year but her condition has since got worse again. Her mum Emma went to the Netherlands last week and tried to bring stronger drugs back to the UK. She was stopped by airport officials and the medication was confiscated but she's now hoping to get it back. Earlier Emma told me about the latest development. I was informed when it was seized that if I got a a private prescription and an import license they would release the medication. Um, I have now got both, so I'm now urging the government to release the medication. And how does it feel to have got that prescription? I know it's only a small step in the process. Yeah, it was it was really good. Um, I was really overwhelmed yesterday. I didn't expect to get prescription straight away. So, yeah, I was really, really pleased. But again, it is only the first step. I've now got to get the medication released and then fight for an extra prescription as well. So, yeah, things, things are moving so what is the next step for you then? What, what are you doing today? Today, it's all about getting the government to release the seized medication. They did tell me that when it was seized, it, it could be released on those grounds. So yeah, today is chasing that up and go from there, really. And how long do you expect it will take to get this medication in your hands and able to treat Tegan? I've got absolutely no idea, but the sooner the better. Um, I'm just going to push that they can give it back to us as soon as they can. And how do you think it will improve Tegan's life, having access to this cannabis oil? It could change her life. It could make her a much more able child. Um, She could relearn the skills she's lost. Um, She'd be more alert, happier, not so tired all the time. It could could change her life. And going back to um, getting the prescription, was that something you were expecting or did it sort of come out of the blue? No, it came out of the blue. Um, I got a phone call. um, And, yeah, it kind of went from there, really. So it's very, very promising. We're now working towards getting a prescription in NHS with the same doctor. So fingers crossed that will go to plan. And can you talk me through getting that call? What did they say and how did you feel at that moment? Um, I just thought I just got asked to go and see somebody. Um, I didn't really know what was going to happen. So when I was there, it was kind of, yeah, a bit emotional. It was, uh, yeah, really, really good, really pleased. And is Tegan pleased as well? Um, she doesn't really understand um, what's happening, bless her, because she's got no understanding or anything. So she doesn't really know. But no, we, we're really pleased. We're really grateful. It's a step in the right direction, isn't it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. I think it's pretty much now the focus is on, is on the Home Office because, you know, they in the House of Commons the other day, they said they wanted to get it back as soon as possible. I've now done the few things they asked for. They asked for a UK prescription, which I've now got, and an import licence, which I've now got. 
So there's no reason now why that medication can't be given back to us immediately. Kent Online reports. Elsewhere today, the son of an Ashford man accused of being involved in the genocide in Rwanda has again insisted his father is innocent. It's now 25 years since 800,000 people were killed when a civil war broke out in the country. Peter Mutabaruka's family fled the country and eventually came to Kent as refugees. The 34-year-old says his dad, who's a pastor, hasn't done anything wrong. He is innocent until proven guilty. That is the fundamental um, principle of, the, of, of law, as we understand it in Great Britain. He is not guilty. Allegations have been brought against him. They need to be challenged in the court of law. We are really happy that they are going to be challenged in England. It's a privilege that he has that many Rwandans don't have, many who have gone through the shambolic justice system in Rwanda. So he's going to be tested. Until then, it's worth that the ministers and the government do not prejudice um, his character or whatever is going to happen in the court system by assuming that he is guilty because he's not. It may may sound weird to say that we are happy about what's going on, but in in the grand scheme of things, I mean, it's sad, but there are levels of, of, of unfortunate uh, events, and in this case, we are happy that he is going to um, that they're investigating it, because what happened a few years ago when he was uh, when the extradition was 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 halted, that doesn't mean anything in terms of his character. Already he's been dragged through the media. Um, people have, and you know, th- there was one case even one one case where neighbors at his house were shouting murder after seeing an article that was written in one of the newspapers. You know, it's that's that's the sort of thing that it's it's so destroying. But then when hopefully it goes through the system here and this evidence is brought to the courts and it is it, it's examined, then his innocence will be seen and hopefully the whole family can move on. He's a an influential figure, you can say in the community and he's been helpful in, in, in many areas of the community. So people people know him. The issue is those who don't know him and they hear some of these stories for the first time. But there's been, there's been a lot of grace in terms of the church and the local community. Um, as far as the family is concerned, it's, been, it's, it's taken a huge toll on the family. But I always like to uh, insist that it's not unique to our family. If you're from Rwanda, you will realize that what we're going through is, is so light compared to what people went through. In 1994, there are people who lost their entire families. There are people who lost all their siblings and their, and their parents in front of them, in front of their eyes, being killed by Hutu militias. There are people who were running, innocent children running from the country in Rwanda, who were killed by the RPF soldiers, some who are now the generals and who are in charge now. Many people lost their lives, countless people. So when, in the grand scheme of things, when I'm asked how tough this is for us, we are in a, we're in a civilized country, we are safe, there's nothing um, unique so much about our suffering. It is something that many people go through, many go through worse, but we just happen to be in this situation now. But we are, we are, we are, we are, we are okay. We are holding on.
He's previously fought an attempt to extradite him back to Rwanda and is among five men being investigated. Kent Online News. On to some other news now and a man's appeared in court charged with murder following the death of a man near Canterbury. A 30-year-old was found dead after being stabbed in the chest at a caravan park in Gate Hill in Dunkirk on Sunday night. 48-year-old Dimitri Palazzo, who lives on the site, has been remanded in custody and is due at Crown Court tomorrow. It's been revealed a teenager from Gillingham died after doctors wrongly diagnosed food poisoning when her body was rejecting a donor heart. 18-year-old Jessica Brooks was taken to Medway Maritime Hospital in January 2017 after vomiting for three days. She'd had a heart transplant a year before. Medway NHS Trust has admitted liability and apologised to her mum. A woman who died in a fire near Ashford has been named as 100-year-old Violet Kilby. She got trapped in her burning chalet at Long Beach Park off Canterbury Road in Charing on Tuesday afternoon. Friends have paid tribute describing her as a lovely lady with the greatest character. An investigation's underway to find out how the blaze started. A 24-year-old man starting a prison sentence just days after he was arrested for threatening someone with a knife in Gillingham. Joseph Taylor from Luton Road in Chatham admitted showing off the seven-inch blade in the high street following an argument in the early hours of Sunday. He's now serving six months behind bars. Kent Online reports. Potential doctors and nurses of the future have been seeing for the first time what a new medical school in Kent will be like. It's due to open in Canterbury in September 2020 and welcome 100 undergraduates who will study for a Bachelor of Medicine and Bachelor of Surgery. It's a joint project between the Uni of Kent and Canterbury Christchurch in a bid to boost the number of people going into the medical profession. Professors Karen Cox, David Shepherd, and Chris Holland are all involved in the project. Really exciting. It's been quite a journey to get here, but it's fantastic seeing people finding out more about the programme, what will they be studying, how we're going to be offering the programme. So it's really exciting and delighted that we're at this point. Prospective students are who are here today have the really exciting opportunity to become part of that journey to study in an innovative and distinctive medical school which is setting out its stall to address those current challenges and prepare its graduates for a very different looking future for healthcare. There's absolutely no question that our NHS partners are totally committed to making sure that even though we have those challenges in the healthcare system in Kent and Medway they absolutely will give our medical students the attention and uh, care that they need when they're out in clinic placement but yes we as a medical school we want our, our students to have the sort of excellent experience whilst they're studying here in, and living here in Kent and Medway that means that they actually choose to stay here after graduation. We've also been finding out what potential students think about it. I really like how it supports the students as a person and the application process isn't completely based on who you are on paper. The people seem very nice it's a quiet and pleasant place and just in general, it's, it seems like a, just a very nice place to study. New, I've looked at um, about the facilities, like simulation suite seems really good. Like, I haven't really seen that anywhere else, so it just seems really interesting. Really good. And the fact that I've come here, in comparison to my, I went uni, I studied Middlesex, completely different experience. So I like it. So every minute I'm like, oh. 
Wow. A second Open Day will take place at the end of June. Kent Online Sport. Football and the former Maidstone United manager has been speaking openly for the first time about the day he lost his job. Jay Saunders was sacked last August following a poor start to the season. He'd been in charge at the Gallagher for seven years, with three promotions in four seasons. At the weekend, his former side were relegated while he's managed to secure Margate's future in the Bostick Premier League. He's been chatting to the KM Football Podcast. First of all, the National League's an extension of Football League. There's no doubt about it. It's one of the toughest leagues out there and I think you can see that how long it takes big clubs to get out of it. Um, This season, I felt that I needed to maybe step away from the academy a bit and and sort of concentrate on doing the first team, being out watching players and stuff. Um, And on the day I sort of lost my job, I was on a minibus driving course um, so that I could drive the academy lads on a Wednesday to games, um, and I got a phone call from Bill saying that there was there was going to be a meeting. Could I possibly get there? And it was ridiculous, really. And that that kind of summed up where I was at the club. Um, when I, it was a Wednesday, I could have been out watching, or Tuesday I could have been out watching under twenty three game, maybe looking at players. And I was sort of renewing <laughs> mini bus license, which is quite comical when I look back now. But um, and I sort of went down to the office, and and we sat in there with Terry and Bill, and it was kind of put to me that. They weren't happy with a few things, as I wasn't happy with a few things, and we sort of went through it, and and, and that was the end of it, really. Um, they felt that to move the club forward, or, or the performances hadn't not yeah performances hadn't been good enough, and that they needed to um, needed to act to, to keep themselves safe, which um, yeah kind of hasn't worked out. That time in charge of Maidstone been such a big part of your football career and your life. So to walk away from the ground that day, knowing that. That was it. What went through your head? It's a bit of a weird one. I went straight into Maidstone Town Centre and, and bought a beer, really, and sat down. It was it was a bit strange because we'd played we played Maidenhead on the Saturday on TV and we actually played really well. Like, I, I've watched the game back since the first time because there was nothing on TV at home, so I thought I'd have a watch back. And actually, we played really well and should have been three one up and we had a, a goal disallowed for no reason. And then they, we let in two poor goals at the end through our inexperience. Um, and then we played Boreham on the Monday and we were rubbish. We, we were poor. Um, Boreham were really experienced, the opposite of us, and deservedly beat us. So it was it, it all happened quite quick. And on the Tuesday, I was out of a job. So I had the feeling, I knew something was happening. I'd, I'd spoke to a close friend of mine and he said, how's everything going? I said, I've got a feeling the first opportunity I get, they're going to get rid of me um, just because of what had happened over the summer. Um, so, yeah, it was weird. I, I sort of, I walked in town, had a, had a beer, and, and ran my dad and said, "Dad, I've I've just I've lost my job. Uh, can you come and pick us up?" Because <laughs> I had the I had the club van, so I, so I left that there, and I said, "Yeah, Dad, can you come and pick us up?" And uh, and that was it. I went home, and uh, and and yeah, it was, and that was it really. So it was, and from that point on, I sort of didn't really have any contact from the club. I think that the best I got, I, I, I the disappointing thing for me was how it was done. I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to the players, um, and there were some players that had been there a long time under me. The staff, um, I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to them. Um, I got a text message from one of the owners saying thanks for your efforts, which I thought was poor. If I'm honest with you, after working at a club for that long, um, no other contact than a text message from him. Uh, but I had, a, I had a meeting with the other owner, um, but that was kind of it. I never got a chance to sort of say goodbye, even the supporters really, and it was disappointing after that time. Well, that's it for now, but for more news throughout the day, you can head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.